G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. If I could sum up the breakdown of marriage in one word, it would be selfishness. Really, does a marriage end because the spouses are too considerate? Pastor Greg Laurie has important insight today. We walk into the marriage saying, what are you going to do for me? It's me, 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 me. When in reality, it should be, how can I fulfill you? You put the needs of your spouse above your own, and then when they do it in turn, everybody's blessed as a result. But most importantly, you put God first in all things. This is the day when the lost are found. said that if marriage doesn't end your selfishness, selfishness might lead to the end of your marriage. A good marriage is made up of givers and forgivers. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings another of his most requested studies of the year that looks at strengthening our marriages. We'll see marriages that go the distance, work on closing the distance with better communication and reorienting priorities. your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we ask that you would bless this time of Bible study as we open your word because we want to see our marriages strong and vibrant. And we want them to last a lifetime. But Lord, as we've deviated from your template and from your plan, we've seen the consequences of it. As scripture says, we sow the wind, we reap the whirlwind. Forgive us for that. I pray for every marriage represented of every person that's listening that you will strengthen it. And for those, Lord, that are single, help them to be patient and wait on you for that right person to not rush this thing. We commit it all to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter five. God takes us back to the very beginning. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I want you to write down two words if you're taking notes. The words are leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. Two very important words that must be in constant play in the marriage relationship to keep it vibrant and strong. So it's leave and cleave, or sever and attach to, or loosen and secure. A successful marriage begins with a leaving a leaving of all other relationships. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you don't have other relationships. You're still a, a child to your parents. You're, you're still a sibling. You're, you're still that person. But now a new relationship, a new family has emerged and that should become your number one priority. 
The closest relationships outside of marriage is specified here. A man will leave his father and his mother, meaning that if it's necessary to leave your father and mother, then all lesser ties must be broken, changed, or left behind. The primary responsibility of a husband is to his wife. The primary responsibility is of a wife to her husband. You still honor your parents, but a leaving must take place. And this can be detrimental in the marriage if you don't do it. So get this figured out ahead of time. Leaving, as in leaving and cleaving, also means giving other relationships a lesser degree of importance. Listen, guys, you can still have your buddies, girls. You can still have your girlfriends. You can have those relationships. But the most important relationship is that of you to your spouse. So it's kind of hard to have a best friend that isn't your husband or wife. You can have close friends, but your best friend should be your spouse. And I hope I don't need to tell you that it's very problematic to have close friendships with members of the opposite sex, right? So if you say to your wife, hey honey, I'm going out with my best friend Mary uh, and we're gonna go to dinner and then to a movie, uh, but there's nothing here to worry about. Forget that, okay? That just has to stop. You can't do that. Your best friend should be your spouse. Here's a really key verse. You might wanna write it down and look at it later, but I'll read it to you. It's Malachi 2.13. God says, The Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, although she is your companion and wife. It's interesting. So God's reproving uh, the individual for unfaithfulness, but he refers to the wife as not just the wife, but your companion and your wife. See, your wife isn't just your wife, she's your companion and your wife. And the word companion means someone that you're united with in thoughts, goals, plans, and efforts. Thoughts, goals, plans, and efforts, your companion. Uh, this same idea is communicated over in 1 Peter 3. Husbands dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, so your prayers be not hindered. So actually what Peter is saying is, hey, you need to understand how important your wife is because if you don't, if you're not united with her as you ought to be, your prayers will be hindered. So periodically, it's a good idea to take stock of your life and your marriage and say, is there anything I'm doing that is hurting my relationship with my spouse? You know, I pay attention when Kathy says, Greg, I, I don't like it when you do that. Or, or this concerns me. Now it may seem trivial to me, okay? I may dismiss it and say, well, that's ridiculous. No, but wait. If it means something to her, it should mean something to me. And same with her. You know, I, when this, I don't like this thing here that is happening. You need to listen to each other in these areas and take stock. And if there is another relationship, or maybe it's your career. Hey, it could even be your ministry. And it's becoming more important to you than your first ministry, which is to your wife and your children. Then you need to reevaluate and you need to realign again as the scripture tells us we should. You know, it's interesting after Adam and Eve were married, the Bible says God called their name Adam. He saw them as one flesh to become one. And so when you're married, you're, you're you know, technically one flesh. But now it's gonna take a lifetime to kind of work that out. Kathy and I realized recently that between us we have one complete brain. 
It's like I have one half, she has the other half. And when I forget something, she remembers it. And she forgets something, and I remember it. And so together we have one working brain. But you see, it takes time. It takes a lot of time to get to know a person and to flex with a person and adapt and, and all the things that happen in a relationship. And, and that could be said of our relationship with God. I mean, the day I become a Christian, I'm forgiven of my sin, right? The day I become a Christian, the Bible says I'm justified, which means that all my sins are forgiven and the righteousness of Christ is placed into my account. But then there's what is called in the Bible sanctification. Sanctification is now living out what God has done in my life. And it's sort of that way in marriage. I mean, you're technically married, you're technically one flesh, but it's a lifetime now of discovering what that means. So first you leave and then you cleave. Now what does the word cleave mean? Well, it doesn't mean to divide, as in a meat cleaver. It actually means to bring together. It suggests a determined action. There's nothing passive about the act of cleaving. You're holding on. You're clinging to each other. And one of the ways that we express that love, one of the ways that we demonstrate that love is through the sexual union. You know, I think sometimes people think that God disapproves of sex. How ridiculous. God created sex. And clearly in the Bible we can see that He gave it to us to be fruitful and multiply. So yes, it's for procreation. Yes, it's for bringing children into the world. But God didn't say you couldn't have some fun while you're doing it. And you can have fun in sex. It doesn't have to be a dirty word. It doesn't have to be a taboo subject. It's something that can be enjoyable, pleasurable, and listen to this, even blessed, but only in the boundaries and safety of a marriage relationship. Because God will bless this as you come together in His perfect plan. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the USA. Today we're looking at marital intimacy in Pastor Greg's message called God's Plan for Sex and Marriage, one of the top 10 most requested studies of the past year. Let's continue. Another way that we express this oneness to each other is through communication. One of the keys to a successful marriage is communication. That means you've got to talk a lot together. You need to spend time together. You need to take time off together from all the things that you're involved in and share your heart. In fact, I read a survey that pointed out that divorced couples were asked, why did their marriage fail? Why did their marriage fail? You know what the number one reason was? Deficient communication. 86% said, my marriage failed because of deficient communication. So you see why leave and cleave are operative words all through a marriage? First you leave all other relationships and make your marital bond your most important. And then you're constantly cleaving, constantly growing, constantly loving and expressing that love toward one another. I mean, it's as simple as telling your spouse you love them. When's the last time you said to your wife, I love you? Or to your husband, I love you. I appreciate you. Even a hug would go a long way. Heard about a couple that was having some marital problems. So they went down to see their pastor. After a few sessions of listening and asking questions, the pastor said he had discovered the main problem. He stood up, 
came out from behind his desk, walked over to the woman, asked her to stand, and he gave her a hug. And he turned to the husband and says, that's what your wife needs at least once a day. Husband said, thank you, pastor. And then the husband said, what time do you want me to bring her back tomorrow? <laughs> uh, miss the point? <laughs> if I could sum up the breakdown of marriage in one word, it would be selfishness. What it should be, selflessness. I already said, don't marry someone if you think you're gonna fix them because they'll probably get worse. So you're gonna have to accept them and love them as they are. And if you're not willing to do that, you have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. It's selfishness. We walk into the marriage saying, how are you gonna fulfill me? How are you going to meet my needs? What are you gonna do for me? It's me, 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 me. When in reality, it should be, how can I fulfill you? How can I meet your needs? You put the needs of your spouse above your own and then when they do it in turn, everybody's blessed as a result. But most importantly, you put God first in all things. But this breakdown in communication is what causes it. I think because we don't have the excitement we initially felt when we first got married all the way through the marriage that we think, well, I guess the marriage isn't working anymore. Kind of like that actress I quoted in the beginning. I'm not so sure that two people are meant to be together for a lifetime. No, actually what it is is they are meant to be together for a lifetime. But they have to understand that life changes, emotions change, but it gets better. Listen, it gets better. A study was done on couples who had serious conflicts but decided to stay together. The study revealed that two-thirds of unhappily married spouses who stayed married reported their marriages were happy five years later. See, they just hung in there. Now their marriages are happy five years later. Most striking, this article says, long-term studies demonstrate two-thirds of those unhappy marriages out there will become happy within five years if people stay married and do not get divorced. It's interesting when stats bear out what the Bible said all along, isn't it? Let's just do it God's way. Leaving and cleaving. Leaving all other relationships making your marriage your most important relationship, putting the needs of your spouse above your own, selflessness instead of selfishness. Watch what God will do. Saving sex and keeping sex for you and your spouse only. You never cross those lines. And do everything you can to cultivate and weed the garden of your marriage. And you will live happily even after. Why? Because God said you would in the Bible and you can trust what God says. So now we just need to start living it out. You know, in closing, the marriage is, of course, a picture of the love of God for us and the picture of our love for God. And how did God show His love to us? I mentioned earlier, why are we Christians? Because we responded to the love of God. How did God show His love to us? He sent His Son, Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. And there he hung on that cross and, and bore every wrong and every sin and every evil thing you and I have ever done. But he rose again from the dead three days later and he stands at the door of our life and he knocks. And if we'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Now listen, I'm not talking about marriage right now. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about eternal life. 
So if you're married, if you're single, if, if you're divorced, if you're widowed, you know, if you're a kid and you don't even know what I'm talking about, here's what I want to say to you. You just need Jesus. Wherever you're at in life, you need Jesus Christ. You need Him living inside of you, helping you to be the man or the woman He's called you to be. And there might be some of you here who don't have Christ living inside of you. Maybe you thought, well, I'll go to church and maybe learn a few biblical principles and how to have a better marriage and be a happier person. That's not what I'm here for. I'll share with you principles that will help your marriage. I'll share with you principles that will help you have a happier life. But that's not my job. My job, if you will, is to tell you how to get right with God and go to heaven when you die. That's what I want for you more than anything else. And in a moment, we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to ask Christ to come into your life and forgive you of all of your sin. There might be some of you that, well, you've kind of wandered off. You know it's right, but you've strayed. And you've done things you're ashamed of. Maybe your marriage is unraveling. Maybe you're single, but you're having sex before you're married. Or maybe you're doing this or you're doing that. Whatever you're doing, you need to get right with God. You need to repent of your sin and get right with God. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Let's all pray. Father, I pray for any person here, especially those that don't know you, or those that have gone astray, help them to come to you now and believe and be forgiven of all of their sin. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer. And if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord, don't tune away. Pastor Greg will help you do that right now. If you would like to accept Jesus Christ into your life right now, and by that I mean if you would like your sin forgiven and have the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin, Lord, and I turn from it now, and I put my faith in you to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, and my friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Congratulations if you've just prayed that prayer. We want to help you grow as a believer and send you a great resource collection for free. It will ensure you get started right in your walk of faith. Ask for a new believer's growth packet when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Next time, more from the most requested presentations of the year. Pastor Greg addresses the questions surrounding angels and demons in the life of the believer. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher Greg Laurie. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called God's Plan for Sex and Marriage. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or visionstore.org.au. Station Sponsor. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 